0: If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's tempting, I think, to put the word then in there. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You notice that it's not in there, but when I hear that sentence structure, there seems to be some type of cause and effect in it, and even perhaps some type of contractual relationship. If this, then that. I will do this for you, and then you will do that for me. It's no wonder we can hear this scripture that way, as if it's some type of contract, because we deal mostly in contracts in our lives. In agreement with another person, a contract is what we're most familiar with. But God is not a God of contract. God is a God of covenant, a promise made. Now, we are not too familiar with that in our lives. To make a covenant is not something that we have a lot of practice in. Perhaps for those of you who are married, you have some awareness of this because that's what a marriage is. It's actually a covenant. It takes a contract to get out of it. (laughs) But it is only a covenant, or most simply, I should say, a covenant, a promise made by one person to another. And we are in relationship with God in a covenant, a promise. God loves us, and we love God, and that is it. It's only that. Most simply, that is what it is. For those of you who are familiar with living in a covenant, you might hear these words if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You might hear that covenantal nature, what it is when we, are, when we love another person, how we will do things out of that love. Pick up your socks, load the dishwasher, make the bed. These are things we do out of love, not because there's some contractual agreement or we're looking to get something out of it later. In fact, when we engage in love contractually, it never comes to the fullness of what love is. And so it may even be that there are some among you in this room that don't know what covenant love is. It is what God offers us, the promise. The promise of love for us. And we promise to love God back. And we carry out that promise in what we do. Because love is a verb. And we demonstrate love through loving. That's the way it is, is through action. And so Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because that's what love of me is. Indeed, to keep the commandments that Jesus gives us, the greatest one to love your neighbor as yourself, is quite a challenge. And we might not be that inclined to do it because it does mean we have to reorient our lives. You may be aware of C.S. Lewis and his journey into the heart of the Christian faith. We mostly know him post his own commitment to Jesus as an adult man, but he was raised in a conservative Christian home, and when he was about 15, he decided that he was an atheist. Paradoxically, he said, he was angry at God for not existing. And he set out in his life in the scholarly fashion and found himself to be a lecturer at Oxford in his late 20s on the topics of philosophy, of which reason was a big portion of the ways in which he taught. When he was 29 years old, he felt the invitation of the living God. It was not one that he was really welcoming, except it was one that he knew he deeply desired. And you can read about his conversion story in his book, Surprised by Joy. To hear this man of reason look to articulate this mystical experience is a wonderful invitation for all of us, I think. Because we too are people who operate a lot with our heads. He talks about it being a decision that was wholly his, and yet he felt that he wasn't even making it, but it was being made in him or through him. And even as he resisted, he also wanted to go forward. Something was beginning to change. It was like armor was being unbuckled. Or another analogy he used to describe it is as a snowman melting. First, it was just a little drip, drip, drip. And then it turned into a trickle. And he was resisting it even as he was moving forward into it, this conversion experience. I took a paragraph from this piece of his writing, Surprised by Joy, and I'd like to read it to you. Lewis says, You must picture me alone in that room in Magdalene College, night after night, feeling, whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him who I so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in, and admitted that God was God, and knelt and prayed. Perhaps, that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all England. I did not then see what is now the most shining and obvious thing, the divine humility which will accept a convert even on such terms. The prodigal son at least walked home on his own feet. But who can duly adore that love which will open the high gates to a prodigal son who is brought in kicking, struggling, resentful, and darting his eyes in every direction for a chance of escape? The words, compel entrare, compel them to come in, have been so abused by wicked men that we should shudder at them. But properly understood, they plumb the depth of the divine mercy. The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men, and his compulsion is our liberation. His compulsion is our liberation. We don't know love like this outside of God. It is a mystical experience, and we don't operate in that world. So it's hard to describe how God's compulsion can be our liberation. What does it mean that to know God's love is to keep his commandments? How can we be liberated by keeping commandments? Well, it's only the commandments of the living God that can liberate us into the fullness of who we are. Love The commandment to love is that which liberates us. It does change our lives. It does reorient things. We will not be the same. And so we probably have some compassion for C.S. Lewis as he describes himself as reluctant, struggling against the invitation of love to have its way in his life. But indeed, this is the love that transforms us, that brings us in the fullness of who we are. And those of you that know this love know that it transforms you into fuller, more fully, who you were meant to be. And so you willingly go, even though it requires so much of you. You willingly go because of who it makes you to be, the fullness of who you can be. This is the invitation of the living God. This is what C.S. Lewis experienced, and it's what's available to every follower. Of everyone who desires it, God willingly gives it. Opens the high gates, even for one who comes pouting into them. Wow, what divine mercy. Come, Jesus says, you can have all of this. Yes, it will change your life. You will not be the same but you will be more than you ever imagined you could be, the fullness of who you've longed to be. That's my promise I make to you, the living God says. It's the promise that love is life. Amen.